This episode of Tailgate Talks is brought to you by Blanca. Tune in live to interact with the hosts on Wednesday nights, 6.30 central, at www.twitch.tv backslash Blanca OG. Hope you enjoy the show. episode 38 there, there, there's really like you know what like like these middle episodes where we are at like number 35 36 37 i almost feel like they're like my like my my recent birthdays and stuff where it's just like it's hard to hype up like the, the 38th one over the 37th oh, i thought you're gonna say you forget which one you're on yeah <laughs> all right hold on all right I, I know i'm the oldest one on here but you didn't have to go that, that route with it bro come on mm. <laughs> But like that, it's hard to hype it up over like the thirty seventh. Like, dude, the thirty seventh one is all right. The thirty eighth, got you guys. All right. So, uh, make sure if you're not already uh, subscribed to the podcast. Uh, we can't keep telling y'all this. We need more of y'all to be subscribed to the show. So on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button on in, on iTunes. Sorry, on iTunes. Make sure you hit that subscribe. Make sure you give us the review and the rating with the five stars. Help us out a ton here. Um, if you're trying to look for our socials, uh, make sure you hit us up on Twitter at tailgate underscore talks. We are also on Instagram and Facebook. And more importantly, we do have our, our YouTube channel, which we do post videos to weekly, probably about three, two or three times a week at a minimum. We got little video clips and stuff for you guys there. So uh, on YouTube, make sure hit that subscribe, hit the bell. So you get notified whenever we post new videos again, two or three times a week. Uh, as far as our personal accounts, Dustin, you can find him at Dustin Wimmer 22 Brooks, you can find him at Calvin B. Barrett. And me, Arlie, you can find me at Blanca, where the L is a 1. The uh, last part that I do want to mention on the intro, as always, is if you have any sort of thoughts, questions, or any, any sort of suggestions for the show, or uh, if you just need to reach out to us for any reason whatsoever, our email is tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. So make sure you hit us up there. And uh, obviously, we, we take in any considerations and do our best to make a the best show that we can for you guys. So, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the episode. We got uh, got some fun for you today. We're going to be doing our fourth version, <coughs> the fourth part of our Texas Tech series. And then, obviously, some, some decent uh, NBA talk here, shot bets, a lot of fun coming your way. Uh, this is Texas, er, blah, 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 just kidding, Tailgate Talks Club Red. All right, so let's do this. We are now on our fourth, uh, fourth best, fourth favorite. Uh, so we have a top five, basically, is what we did. We picked top five. Texas Tech favorite football moments. We did our, our 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 fifth favorite last week. This is gonna be our fourth week. We got three more uh, renditions of this coming your way after this. So, um, who went first last time? I think we should switch it up. I don't remember. Brooks did. 
I went first last time. All right, so. all right. Dustin, your turn. You go first on this round, and then I'll take first next week. Uh, what is your fourth favorite Texas Tech football moment? So I'm actually going another kind of off-field football memory. I went Cliff last week, but this one's a little more historic, going with the debut of the Master Rider oh. in 1954 at the Gator Bowl, bringing one of the most – electric and best college live mascot and entrances in college history and still going today. Uh, I think it was one of the first live mascot entrances in college football as well. Dating back all the way to 1954. That's a pretty good one. That was a good one. I saw, I saw that kind of come up. It was kind of like looking up different, uh, different like top Texas tech moments or whatever. And I was like, Oh, that is one, but... one of the best, if not the best, Entrance in college football. I think we do most because of that. And I think so, the 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 mask rider is definitely uh, definitely. I think that deserves credit to be on this list. I dig it. I dig it. It's, it's definitely a good one. Um, I guess since Brooks went first on the last one, I'll, I'll take the next one. Uh, I, for me, it was um, uh, I guess number four uh, will be because I got to watch this live. Was was uh, and we hear about it. I think at least every year we bring it. We've brought it up on the show at least three different times now. Is is the 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 shootout in between uh, Mahomes and Mayfield? I know, but I, it was. I mostly like this because I was there for it. So like, I get annoyed by it a little bit because they bring it up literally every time either one of them is on the field or remotely within each other's close proximity. Like, oh, Baker Mayfield farted fifty miles away, but did you know that Patrick Mahomes? Anyways. Uh, this would probably be my fourth, mostly because I was there. It was a really fun game to watch. Obviously, you know, it, it was full send on the offense and zero defense from either side. Uh, what was it? Like 900, uh, 800 yards a, a, a piece? It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was like, I think they had the exact same amount of yards. I yeah. think both quarterbacks or whatever had the same combined total yardage. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, just insanity. absurd. It was an absolute yeah, no stops. Game. So, like, if we're talking about, like, you know, one of my favorite moments personally for me, that was wise because I got, I was there at that game. I saw that shootout happen. And yes, it's annoying for them to bring it up all the time, but it was definitely like one of my personal favorite moments. So, um, Brooks, number four, what do you got? So, I'm going back to another personal moment, going back to 2005 for this one. Uh, and it's a player that many of us remember if we uh, were fans of him back in the day. But he played on the opposite side of the ball than we're used to being fans of. He patrolled the defensive backfield, not the offensive backfield. And he struck terror into the eyes of all sorts of offensive players by just lighting dudes up left and right. One, the only, Dwayne Slay. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with him, he... That year, he set the record for most forced fumbles in a season. And these weren't just, like, stripping the ball out. These were just laying <laughs> dudes out and then dropping the ball because they were, you know, basically murdered on the field. This particular moment, and I, I kind of like a two-parter. So part one is a part that not a lot of people are familiar with. Uh, that year, we went on to play in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, we went 10 and two in the regular season, played Alabama Crimson Tide in the Cotton Bowl, lost 
a crazy game. But there's a particular play in there where Dwayne Slay levels this wide receiver who's just going on a crossing pattern. And uh, the guy, like, gets up and runs over to the tech sideline because he was confused on, like, where he was on this planet. And we had to, like, help him get back to his other side. But nobody knows about it because it wasn't the dude with the ball. It just kind of happened. But we saw it, and we're like, that's the hardest hit I've ever seen. Besides this hit, that is my fourth favorite moment, and that's when Dwayne Slay leveled Kansas State quarterback Allen Everidge. I always want to call him Etheridge, but it's Everidge with a V. Laid him out. If you're unfamiliar with the play, it was a quarterback draw kind of up the middle. A hole opens up, and it looks like quarterback's going to go for, you know, a nice little 10, 15-yard scamper. All of a sudden, that hole closes up by a missile coming in in the form of Dwayne Slay wearing the number three jersey and just absolutely decapitates the dude. Just just kills it. I got it up on Twitch. I got it up on Twitch. You don't really watch this guy get decapitated. And and in a lot of (laughs) yeah, and in a lot of angles, and you know, at that game, I've just never felt a hit like that. And then the and then on top of that, the reaction from the crowd, everybody simultaneously doing that. Oh, and then the best part is they kept showing the replay at the stadium and everybody was kept every time the loud, the like, O's got louder and louder. And then you saw like Dwayne Slay react to his own hit yeah. and like everybody on the sideline. Like, like, well, right they like, show this reaction and <laughs> Yes, and everybody's just like losing their minds. Like the rest of the game, it was just that's all anybody was thinking about was that hit and kind of fun stuff. But I ended up living with Dwayne Slay for a little bit uh, when he came back to Lubbock. And, of course, we talked about that hit. But it's one of my favorite plays to talk about. Uh, It definitely would have been hit with the targeting nowadays. Uh, I think Dwayne Slay probably would have never played because he would have been out every game with targeting. But – it's the time that he played in. Those kind of hits were uh, big at the time. But just an absolutely crazy play. It's probably the like the m- most remembered defensive play, I think, for me um, personally. I mean, I was alive for the Zach Thomas pick six, but I, you know, I was too young. I don't really remember that one. Uh, so for me, that one just sticks out vividly. I love Dwayne Slay as a player. That team was a fun team, and that dude was just – crushing dudes left and right back there so that's my fourth favorite moment Dwayne Slay crushing Allen Average in a dominant Texas Tech win over Kansas State I don't mind this I I I forgot about I've seen this this clip on highlights and still I obviously I wasn't I wasn't in Lubbock at the time but good lord yeah, it was just a it was a massive hit and just one that you felt and heard and it was it was crazy. It was crazy. That's, so that's phenomenal. Well, cool. So um, that's gonna be it for tailgate for for tailgate talk club red for the week. We didn't have <laughs> yeah. There's we, there's not much going on. There's just not much going on. It's summertime. There's not much going on in the tech world. But yeah. if you listen to this, you know, send us your fourth favorite Texas Tech football moment. Absolutely, actually, um, it can be a can be a personal one it can be one that you think is the overall a great moment for tech like dustin went with the masked rider or um various things like that send us those yeah, thoughts but, on you and your favorite moments tweet, well tweet us that <laughs> tweet us tweet us your, your your fourth favorite thought uh we can maybe get a post out for that see see if we can get any reaction from that from people see if they uh 
want to just put out whatever their favorite one is. I think it'd be a cool idea. Um, so that is going to be the wrap up for Club Red. Obviously, Texas Tech is, is uh, on summer vacation, so our Club Red segment is a little bit a uh, little bit bone dry at the moment. Uh, but we do have this uh, this little segment for you guys coming around each and every week for the next uh, for a total of five weeks. Um, so let's go ahead and jump over to the meat and potatoes of today's uh, episode, the part that obviously all, all of us have been following very closely, very excited to talk about. It's going to be the NBA. Uh, so I'm going to hand this over to Brooks in a second, but this is Tailgate Talks NBA Discussion. All right, Brooks. So let the people know, fill us in, guide the way, lead <laughs> us. How are we looking on the NBA right now? Yes, the NBA, the Western and Eastern Conference Finals are nearing their end. Uh, by the time you hear us next uh, week, we will be on to the NBA Finals, uh, a de- depleted NBA Finals at this point. Currently in the Western Conference Finals, we have the Suns and the Clippers Uh, The Suns lead the series three games to two as game six is currently going right now. As we speak, the Suns currently are up on the Clippers in the second quarter. This series has been an interesting one. We've definitely had some big swings in the series. Uh, The Clippers trailed three games to one, put on a pretty impressive performance in game five to not be eliminated and force a game six back in Los Angeles. I think Dustin has some stats of the day for us regarding this series. So let's kick it over to him. Let's get those stats right quick. Roger's going to love it. We got two stats today. Take that for data. Stat of the week from Dustin. What do you got, man? We got two of them today covering both our Western Conference teams. So for one, Ty Lue with the Clippers just doesn't ever want to be eliminated. He's 10 and 2 all time in the playoffs in elimination games. And so far, 3 and 0 this year. Um, that's before our Wednesday night game. So we'll see if he can make that 4 and 0. But that's just incredible. That started with the, the uh, Cavs coming back three from 3 mm-hmm. and just been rolling ever since. Just refuses to get eliminated. That's pretty amazing there. And then on the other side, CP3 has. There's going to be a lot of stats. Bear with me here. (laughs) All right. Over 2,400 points in the playoffs, 11 all-star appearances, 10 all-NBA selections. All those are among the most by any player in NBA history that does not have an NBA Finals appearance. So CP3, been in the league for a long time, racked up a lot of stats and accolades, and has never been in the Finals, and is so, so close with a great team right now. So there's your two stats of the week for the Western yeah, Conference. There you go, guys. We're throwing you a two for this week. A lot of stats. Well, ha- let's add on some more stats to this yeah, real quick. <laughs> let's throw another one on there. Chris Paul, this series, this is before game six. So you're listening to this on Friday. We're we're talking while game, fi- uh, or while game six is going on. Chris go. Paul shooting 31% so far in this series. He's made 19 of 60 shots. He has definitely not been himself in this series. Uh, you can tell that the effects from COVID are definitely um, causing him some problems. Must be hard to be in game rhythm, then sit out a little bit, then try to get back in, especially when you're talking about the playoffs. And then Aiton disappeared in game uh, in game five. 
And he had been a huge factor so far all postseason. And then the Clippers go small ball and really took him out. Uh, Paul George had a career night, one of his best performances uh, along the Paul George playoff roller coaster. This was definitely one of the high points um, that night. He had 41 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, two steals. More importantly, he shot 15 of 20 from the field. So super efficient, not missing a lot of shots, three of six from three. And also Reggie Jackson had a really solid game. He's kind of asserted himself as the number two player for the Clippers in the series, definitely going to get paid next year as a free agent. Game six currently on. Where are you guys thinking this series goes? Dustin, you're pretty confident in the Suns last week. Are you still confident in them, or have the Clippers made you kind of doubt with their ability to fight and come back? That's thing. It's like the Clippers never go away. It's like they want to be down 2-0 to figure things out, and then they figure it out quickly in – come back because they did it against the Mavericks. They did it against the Jazz. They're doing it currently against the Suns. Um, I don't know, with Kawhi being out and the Suns back to full health with CP3, I don't know if they can win four out of uh, six games like they need to. I mean, they're going to try, but I think one of these last two games, especially this game six, the Suns need to win and put them away, but I think the Suns can do it, but with the Clippers, who knows? Like, I don't even think they know. Yeah. <laughs> what we do know is Ty Lue is the greatest adjuster ever. Apparently, so. he's <laughs> right? the anti-Cliff. Is it good, Arlie? Is it good that he has so many, you know, staving off elimination wins, or is it bad that he's always facing elimination and it takes him like three or four games to figure out the adjustments to win the series? What do you think? Oh, it's it's up in the air with him, honestly, because like. <laughs> Again, and, and, and y'all understand just as good as I do, we've been trying to predict this series and every Clippers series this entire playoffs. Oh, there we go. Mississippi State won. We're good. We're good. Right. Shout out, shout out. Mississippi Born State down. real quick, random. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I State. Uh, if you were there, you were there. All right. And if you weren't, you weren't. Yeah. Uh, no, with, with Ty Lue and, and especially these Clippers, this whole entire playoff run, I it's just been extremely frustrating to try and predict anything. Um, I mean, you got to give the guy credit. You, 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 you don't win, you know, 10 or 10 and 2, 10 out of 10 out of 12 games in elimination without figuring out how to adjust to what the other team is doing to beat you in the first beat you in the first place. So like. You have to give him credit, but like from our point of view, this has been the most frustrating basketball team, in my opinion, to ever try and right. predict the outcome ever. Like you think Kawhi's gone, and this this team is going to be just dead in the water. Like PG's been nobody all season long. Mm-hmm. He's been nobody all playoffs long, and then out of nowhere, well, I guess he's the number one now. Let's just go ahead and get him forty five or whatever it was. So I, he's playing pretty good though. You gotta oh, give him oh yeah. And and he's playing like he was when he were, whenever he was over at the Pacers. Like he, he was still like a like a uh all-star over there. But it's like Well he had the game. Well he had the game in game four where he didn't shoot the ball good and it yeah. was kind of a disaster and it wasn't one of those other Paul George games you're like, wow. He has all the he has a great moments, but he also is a dude who shoots the ball under twenty five percent in yeah. like twelve playoff games. So how do you 
want to be on that level where like Boogie Cousins is saying he doesn't understand why Paul George gets so much flack and he doesn't understand why he gets disrespected so much. And it's like you can't be on the level that you want to be like the LeBron Jameses and Kawhi Leonard's. Those guys don't have games shooting under 25% in the playoffs. They just don't. Yeah. And he has like double digits of them. And so yeah. it's just he's always been a frustrating player because he can do that in a game. We know he can. He finished third in MVP voting just a couple years ago. We know he can do that. He just can't do it every night. And, you know, that's a lot to ask for a player. And that's kind of why he's the second star, the second fiddle that you need. He's the Robin, not the Batman. I think this is going to be where the Clippers get actually knocked out. Kind of like whenever uh, KD had his, his, uh, his final game of like blowing up right before they got knocked out. I think this is going to be PG's uh, PG's exit today. Actually. I don't, it's just tough to say. I do think the Clippers have like when they go small, when they go small ball, they're really good. And if they can run Deandre Ayton off the court, like that's really good for them. And Ayton was a non-factor last game. Uh, And if he's, ran off the court here. I do think they have the advantage because I they have the better three-point shooting team. Um, they have probably the best player right now in Paul George, considering like yeah. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are a little hindered because of injuries and COVID and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, it's just, I have a hard time counting the Clippers out. I really yeah, firmly yeah. believe that this was going seven and that does scare me for the Suns because I feel like this Clippers team is kind of just that, in that, scrappy like back against the wall um everybody made fun of us last year how do we redeem ourselves by coming back from down three games to one to make it to the finals without your best player uh, um it's name just all those kind of players with that attitude pat beverly reggie jackson marcus morris boogie yeah like and they have that veteran not leadership necessarily but experience of playing in a lot of games whereas oh, yeah. devin booker's playing in his sixth ever Western Conference Finals game. Yeah. Like, his first ever playoffs, ever. I mean, CP3 is the only guy that's done it on this team. Yeah. And Paul George has been in the Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James and, you know, went almost toe-to-toe with him before. So, I I just – I, too, like you, Arlie, thought that the Kawhi Leonard was a death sentence for this team. Yeah. I thought the three, one deficit was a death sentence for this team. And yet they continue to just play inspired basketball and find a way to dig themselves out of ditch after ditch. For sure. I think, I think tonight's the nail in the coffin though, in all honesty. I mean, the, those kind of efforts, we saw it from Trey young. We've seen it from KD. Uh, it, it's, it's so damn hard to repeat and carry a team that you just got done playing the night before or two nights ago yeah. uh, in these play in any playoff situation. And so like, I don't see, I, I just, I just don't see Clippers winning tonight. I really think this ends in six. If it does go to seven, then Clippers win the series. I think Phoenix takes the emotional hit. But what I do believe is a difference from the KD game to the Clippers is Paul George is getting a lot of good supporting help. Yeah, like Reggie oh, Jackson's yeah, yeah, yeah. been really good. Reggie Jackson. For for me, for me, I'm, I just meant on like an emotional, personal goal or yeah. personal thing. With with Paul George, he's just he's having to do this on his back. And like, if you look at the game right now, 
You got Reggie Jackson, Pat Beverly with 11. Paul George sitting there with six, going 0-2 from the three. Like, Yeah, it's exhausting. He's played yeah. the most minutes out of anybody in the playoffs this so, year by a lot. So, He's got to be fucking tired, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I bet he, he's real tired, but... I mean, that's what the, everybody else is dealing with the same thing. So um, if if you want to win the final, sometimes this is what you got to go through to get it. Um, any parting thoughts on the Suns Clippers? This is the last time we'll get the chance to talk about them, really. No. I mean, Suns in four in the finals. Great. Uh, great. <laughs> it's been it's been a good series. Like, and, and, and honestly, it's been good to see Paul George kind of emerge from his from his little cage behind yeah. behind Kawhi. That's been a fun narrative to follow, but again, I'm ready to see this team get knocked out. Like I've been wanting def- it since day one. I've been wanting them to get knocked out and embarrassingly so, but they they have fought and kind of earned their place, I guess, a little bit in in my. They opinion. sit here a well defended lob pass away from leading this series three games to two, but Seriously. Boogie Cousins guarded the sideline and you know let a perfect pass go ahead, and so now that's where the Suns lead this series three games to two but as we discussed this series will be over by the time we talk to you next so well you know i think we're all clippers here uh hoping that they lose we hope that the suns make the finals so let's go suns so we can get that suns in four in the finals the other series eastern conference finals continues last night the hawks tied up this series two games apiece a uh, very interesting game, a very almost devastating game. Still devastating for the Bucks as it doesn't look like Giannis is going to come back anytime soon. But if you weren't paying attention last night, Giannis uh, went up for a rebound. Clint Capella fell on him and his knee buckled. It looked like a pretty devastating. It looked like an ACL injury right from the get-go. Knees aren't supposed to bend that way. He was able to walk off the court. He was able to kind of come back and sit on the bench a little bit later. But today it shows that the test came back, that there's no structural damage on his knee. So that's terrific news. I hate to see a star like that who's going for his first championship get hurt like this. Um, but it is just a hyperextension. Um, he's doubtful for game five. I don't really know what the odds are of him coming back in the series are. We could see game five without – Trey Young or Giannis, pretty likely. Yeah, yeah. Trey's doubtful. I doubt Giannis tries to get out there because you're only going to make it worse, and you're only going to be like sixty percent at best, probably. So, I wouldn't trot him out there because you're not. It's not an elimination game just yet, so you don't need to force it. Yeah, I wouldn't test it if I'm the Bucks. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and knees are a, definitely a delicate thing. You don't want to overwork Especially it too soon. Like yeah, because we've seen time and time again where, you know, you might not hurt your knee, but you might hurt an Achilles or something else like that With when you have a weak knee. It does make it a bit difficult, but like Dustin mentioned, Trey Young was also out in game four, so the two biggest stars in this series missing time brought up a lot of conversation lebron's been mad about it about a you know a crammed season crammed games causing a lot of injuries we've had the most players ever miss games in the postseason 
Dustin, I know you kind of wanted to go a little bit at this conversation. Yeah. Where's yeah. your head at? I know you're a little on the it's not the other side, the rest situation. What, yeah. What's your reasoning and why do you think LeBron James is wrong? I mean, I think it's LeBron just being bored and wanting attention for one. Um, two, <laughs> on the basketball side of it, the majority of these injuries are either guys that get hurt pretty often. So that shouldn't be like a big surprise when Kyrie goes out, especially with an ankle injury or Anthony Davis gets hurt or, I mean, or you have stuff like the last two nights where Trey young just steps backwards onto the ref where the ref is supposed to be. And it's a freak accident or you get just a regular basketball play and a guy falls, both guys jump up and Giannis just gets hit in his knee. I mean, the majority of these injuries to stars are not like injuries that are because of the uh, scheduling and all that. Like it's either guys that get hurt or freak injuries that are just regular basketball plays. Like the majority of it's not based on, Oh, our schedule is, was so hard and we shouldn't be out there. Like it's not that, that route for the most part. But, I think on the other side of this, though, a, a, a playoff series is extremely hard on the body for these athletes. And so them not having an offseason, we all know that they coach through the through the regular season now. So them not really having an offseason, not having time to recuperate, recover, repair, because this is a lot of the same teams that we're seeing in these playoffs that we saw in the bubble. And so they're not having the same time that they had before to get back up to hundred percent like they used to be. And so in like, yeah, they have, they have their, 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 their regular season style of play, their regular season strength. But to, to, to say it, this, that it's not impacted the season, I think is, is kind of impossible. You have to say that it's impacted the season. Like some of them are habitual people to get hurt. I get that. I understand that point of view entirely, but you do need to kind of realize that like, hurt or not I, I think every single series so far the star has been hurt to some degree yeah we've had i, I think, I think it's little, just because there's more stars getting hurt rather than regular guys we wouldn't care I, so much if it's marcus morris getting hurt but this has happened this has happened in other postseason too i mean we just gotta yeah. go back a few years of the warriors so i'm a, a little on both sides on this i do think like the giannis injury was a freak injury the trey injury was just a freak injury like some of these are definitely freak injuries but to kind of argue against dustin's point like some of these guys who get hurt a lot well that's why they rest throughout the season yeah. is so they don't get hurt and then they get into the playoffs and you play every other night and then you play you know, in Brooklyn one night, then you're traveling to Milwaukee and then you're turning around, you're playing again and you're in heightened stakes where you're trying to play. So maybe you are a little bit injured, but it's a huge game five. So you play and you test, you know, whatever your ankle or your hamstring or your knee or whatever out because, oh, this is our chance to win the finals this year. And then you end up getting hurt. I mean, th there's been a lot of examples of that this year. I mean, just go back to Jamal Murray. Like they had played five games in seven days. And he had a knee injury, but they're playing for seeding and try to get a top three or four seed. And he plays and they're in a tight game and, you know, tears his ACL. So I think there's sometimes where 
I guess they're overextending them a little bit and it has been rushed in. And a lot of these dudes, you know, loved playing in the bubble because they could go home, relax. They don't have to travel or anything like that. Felt like it helped them recover from the games a lot easier. Well, they're not getting that anymore. You're having to travel and they're not really giving them a lot of rest in between. So uh, I just, I think it's a little bit on both sides. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think there's every injury is to blame on that, but I definitely think you can look at some examples of it and be like, all right, that's, you know, probably because they didn't have enough time to rest it. And it's a quick season and we've got play-in games that we're trying to avoid and we've got, you know, all of this. So I don't know. But then you still have a group of 15 dudes that are very willing to go play all summer in the Olympics and not have a break this off season. And so they're next going back to last year into the next season, like their next three seasons combined are going to be almost yeah. nonstop, but they're willing to do it. So, I mean, if you can see now that Olympic roster comes out next year and how they play in the 2022 season, then you could tell me like, all right, now they're worn out. Devin Booker can't play that much nonstop or whatever. But you still have all those guys very willing to go do that. So, yeah, I don't see a lot of complaining on their side I, when you have that many guys Ooh. willing to go. So um, it'll be an interesting test case because I just want to bring one point up because you look at last year, look at last year's three of the teams that made it the furthest in the bubble and none of them are around, <laughs> um, you know, or I think they're all gone at this point. Um, so, Miami, Boston lakers and well, nuggets they're all out yeah. a lot of them struggled a lot of them had injuries of and they played the most aren't that good <laughs> so random a little bit of a random thought here with this is is has the league become like uh like per team become too top heavy no yeah. i think we're even more spread out than ever yeah okay this is the most spread out it's ever been I, like, no... like, it's been good but i'm just like i'm trying to think of like like maybe the just the, the the top end players are just playing too much or putting too much on or trying you're to score the too top many end points. Players, like, you're saying the top end players while we watch a conference finals that has Devin Booker and Chris Paul in it, and then on the other side we've got Trey Young and the Hawks who nobody ever saw right. being yeah. in that position. Yeah, um, you have teams like the Mavericks that are taking the Clippers to seven. I mean, you have teams that are six teams deep on both sides that play really good basketball yeah maybe not championship basketball for all those but like i think it's more spread out than ever especially in the last 10 or so years oh it's just kind of a random thought i was just like yeah. because you have so many people scoring like how many how many 40 point games do we have so far this playoffs well and yeah then, and that's why it's that's why it's more spread out because you have so many different dudes who can do drop that. 40 um, oh uh, okay sorry i i guess i didn't word my my thing right um i meant like Take each individual team and look at them individually, and they're. I, I I was thinking like they are individually top heavy. Like there's one player on every team that the teams winning or losing is dependent on them putting in those big games. Like has it become at, too much in that I direction? I, like I that's that because the Hawks just proved that wrong. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. Pretty young, and they Hawks held the, held the Bucks to like 38 points in the first half when they had. Clippers have been doing it. Uh, Suns even did it without Chris Paul to start this series. Uh, now will be the Bucks will be tested for sure without Giannis. Yeah, I think 
see more teams have a star or two, but also these teams that are getting very far or challenging these teams getting very far have depth and do a lot more dudes that can make baskets and play defense. Yeah. Unlike kind of like how the Mavericks didn't ran out of gas. They didn't have those guys. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Clippers do the Hawks True. do those That's teams a, do have extra guys that can help. That's a good good point on the on the Mavericks thing there. I think it's very different because there's a lot of teams that do are top heavy. Look at the Lakers. As soon as Anthony Davis goes out, it's it's over. Um, but if they have them, we're probably we're probably watching them play basketball still. Very possible. Um, then the Nets are kind of that team. They have their three guys, but other than that, you know, if one or two of them gets hurt, they're out of the playoffs. So there are a lot of teams like that, but there are also a lot of teams that can and for themselves when one of their stars go down. I will say, yeah, the, um, the, the four that are left uh, definitely are the uh, have been the best four as far as depth, I think. I think this, like, playoffs and, like, these teams making it helps, like, the offseason more rather than teams trying to go all in on just getting a big two or big three. Maybe they go big, big two or one and a half and a lot of other really good pieces so they're deeper. Yeah, yeah. Um, rather than yeah. there's only one way, and that's a big three, and that's it. Like, well, the biggest, the biz, the biggest example these teams show you is that you can be a small market team and you can build because the Bucks are small market. They draft Giannis, Chris Middleton, and then when you have a base, you can go trade for Drew Holiday. Uh, look at the Hawks; like all these dudes are dudes that they drafted: Trey yeah. Young, Kevin Herter. Um, and then you go make the moves for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and then a Clint Capella and other players like that once you feel like you have your base. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, you get Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, and then you go and trade for Chris Paul. So you can do it organically. You can draft, get players, home grow them, and then make the right moves. You just have to have smart people in your office that are able to make various moves like that. And go get Chris Paul when he's out there, and you know that he just took Oklahoma City to the playoffs when everybody thought that team was going to be a joke. Or, oh, we need a defensive wing who can actually score, so we'll go trade for Drew Holiday. Um, but let's get back to the series right quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give our final parting thoughts on it before we sign off on that series for the rest of its time. So last night we did mention the Hawks did defeat the Bucks. They were going to win that game, I think before Giannis got hurt, but once yeah. Giannis got hurt, that game was over after that. You're playing uh, no, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, no no Trey Young, but Lou Williams, Lemon Pepper Lou, stepped up, scored game high twenty one points. Uh Kevin Herter had a good game. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a good game. Capella had a you know pretty good game. Hit a crazy shot behind the backboard. Yes. Then did leave the game with uh, after getting hit in the face. So he's actually, I think, questionable for the next game. This series has so much unknown to it right now. We've got, like we've talked about, two of their best players are out. So what do we do? We know anything about the Bucks without Giannis? I, I don't really know much about them without Giannis. Arlie, do you have any faith in them? Do you think Chris Middleton can be and Drew Holiday can be like, all right, we got this? and keep them alive in this series and maybe hope that Giannis can come back in a game seven or something, or, or where, where do you think this series goes from here? 
I, I do think Mil Middleton and Holiday kind of uh, will carry through this next game. I think that they're, they're um, I, I, uh, we'll, we'll say experience will carry them through one more win. And then I think they'll, they'll end up in game six and drop one there maybe. Um, but I do think that this goes to game seven now. I, I, I'm, I'm completely convinced on that. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Giannis come out in game seven and then Bucks take this win in game seven. But that's kind of that's kind of my feelings that, as to how this is going to go. Dustin, what do you think this series goes from here? So much with unknown. The, with the injuries, yeah, it's too hard to tell. I think the Hawks were just riding high on a uh, everybody rally around trade game last game and put it to the Bucks, and then Giannis gets hurt and he's going to be out for at least a game, whereas Trey Young could be back at any moment. Uh, I think it, that's what it depends on is when do these stars get back for each of their teams. So I think Trey Young coming back in either the next game or game six, probably before Giannis gets back, swings thing in favor of the Hawks. And maybe they can squeeze out two wins before you can get to game seven. Yeah, for me, it all depends on Trey. If Trey can come back in game five, I, I don't really see the – Bucks coming out of this just because I, I don't see Giannis being back here soon. I, I just don't see it. So if Trey's out game five, I really do think that the Bucks can grab a hold of this series. But if Trey comes back, it all depends on him. I think the Hawks take this. I think we're going to see the Hawks in the finals now. It's just a tough break. And I don't I don't think the Bucks can do it without their best player. Mm-hmm. And Chris Middleton's like a poor man's Paul George kind of like, yeah, like can can go off sometimes and then sometimes can leave a dud. So the, the, uh, that's the main reason why I think this heads to Game Seven though is he just he's gonna have a random one. You know, Holiday's gonna come out and maybe provide some support there, but maybe just maybe. But that wraps up kind of our NBA uh playoff discussion we have a couple other things that trickled in over the week news wise one that'll hit dustin's uh favorite nba team jason kidd returns to the mavericks as the head coach he of course won an nba championship with the mavericks back in 2011 they're bringing the whole gang back together looks like dirk's gonna have a position there jason terry's gonna have a position uh even jj barea they're bringing him along Dustin, what are your thoughts about the Jason Kidd hire and what do you think this means for the Mavericks? I love the Jason Kidd hire. Um, I like that Rick Carlisle kind of propped it up and teased it, I guess, before and said that he's Luca has a lot of things he could learn from Jason Kidd. They have a lot of similar similarities, I guess, um, in their games. You got to remember Jason Kidd was also drafted by the Mavericks, I think back in 92 or so. Somewhere in there, so draft with the Mavericks, won a championship. Um, I think he's grown a lot as an assistant uh, over the past few years and ready to take on new challenge with a point guard that obviously he's very familiar with the position. Um, I'm also excited about the new GM they hired. Um, I think that's also a good move, um, being a former Nike exec and being in the basketball world for a while. I saw a lot of good – a lot of high up basketball people like crediting this hire and he's like a basketball guy. He's not just an outside Nike guy that's getting into basketball. He's been in the 
in the basketball circle, NBA circle for a while. So I think that's a yeah. big <clears throat> So maybe they can restructure this roster in the next year and a half or two and really become a good powerhouse team for Luka. Yeah, important moves. you got a young star who's already kind of getting unhappy. You've heard some rumors left and right. I'm imagining getting rid of Porzingis is probably the next move. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a seven-foot waste of space. What do I need to say? Do I need to say that again? It's just fun to hear you say it. Uh, in other news, another coaching vacancy was also filled uh, to a little bit of backlash. Chauncey Billups hired as the Blazers head coach. And there's been a little bit of fallout from this. He had um, sexual harassment charges from way early on in his career. And some people are blaming Dame for the hire. And he is not taking kindly to that, saying that, you know, Jason Kidd was his guy. I don't think Dame had any part of hiring Chauncey Billups. Uh, but the tweet surfaced from a very credible Dame source saying that he's been very unhappy and starting to feel that this franchise is going to be able to produce him a championship and that he might be on his way out. Arlie, what does that mean to you uh, for our, uh, for your guy, Dame Lillard, and his fault for staying with the Blazers uh, and his chance to correct that error? Uh, ha, ha, ha. No, it, 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 a little bit is uh, – okay, come on. That, like, y'all, y'all got to give me a little bit on that one because he's thinking the same thing by now. He's like, dude, I'm not going to win here. Like, credit to him for staying there. Credit for his loyalty. You got to give him respect. And you got to respect him being one of the best, if not the best, shooters out in the NBA, out there in the NBA right now. But he's starting to think the same thing. I'm not going to get any help here. Why am I choosing to put myself through this when I'm not going to get an NBA title staying here? Yeah, I, I think he's been loyal. And I think it's definitely helps when they're going to be the team that's going to be able to pay you the most. And he's made himself like the face of that franchise. You know, he basically kicked LaMarcus Aldridge out. LaMarcus Aldridge didn't like that Dame was becoming the face of the franchise. And so he's been their guy for a long time. They haven't really been able to do anything for him. We just talked about other small market teams that have made moves and put themselves in a chance to win a championship. Blazers have a guy that you could definitely win a championship with and haven't done anything to do that. So I understand his frustration, and I know Dame's a pretty solid guy. Uh, so it is, and he's been very much on the, I want to do it here. I want to do it myself, but I guess he's starting to see that the later he gets in his career, the less opportunity he's going to have. So I think think it's all about that. I think he's kind of realizing I don't have that many more years left. I need to capitalize on being a top 10 player in the league Yeah, and go be a, a secondary A a or B option on a really good team and give myself a better chance to win at an organization that's going to try to help me win. The Blazers have not tried that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is on that. Uh, There's not a lot of rumors. People are playing around with the trade machine, seeing some Maverick stuff pop up. He would be great to be paired with Luca. Um, That'd be interesting one, but it's all just kind of hearsay right now. We'll just monitor it and see where it goes, but there has been some backlash on that. So with that, that wraps up all our NBA news for this week. We'll catch you next week when we've got the NBA finals. Woo! Made it with 
Nobody we predicted. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that wraps up our NBA discussion. Uh, let's go ahead. We're going to jump over to Shot Betch, which is a little bit more NBA talk. But uh, our first game was a very weird one. Uh, I think we were all out during this. And so I think uh, <laughs> by the time me, me and Brooks had our, had our last call for the evening, we looked up and saw this scoreline and couldn't believe it. Uh, no, I, I had seen it much earlier. Oh, had, I had no idea. That was the first time I saw it when you mentioned it while we were uh, at the end of the night. Um, oh, no. But first shot bet was Suns versus Clippers game four in the Western Conference Finals. Suns defeat the Clippers 84 to 80. And so that gives me and Dustin the W. Uh, Brooks loses one. I think this is one of your like maybe two losses in these playoffs, something like that. Uh, it's a rare, rare loss. It's a rare, rare, a rare, 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 rare sight. Rare sight. You know, the, enjoy the shot that he's taking. Um, the second one that we had for you guys was the Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals. Good Lord. Game three. Or sorry, game. Uh, yeah, it was game three. This was uh, this was the Bucks versus the Hawks. Bucks defeated the Hawks to take the series lead, and then uh, Brooks ends up winning this one. And of course. To flip the script, me and Ar- me and Arlie, me and Dustin, end up losing this one and o- owing another shot. Uh, so that does bring the totals up a little bit there. Dustin's up to five. I'm <coughs> sitting at one. I think I did. I took one though over the weekend. Yeah, I think you were at two. I think, I think I still, you did yeah, pay yeah, that one off. I think so. I still had one. So I'm at one. Brooks is at one. Dustin <laughs> is not doing too bad. He's racked up to five. But uh, if he meant it. If you would have just taken a video of some of the shots you took while I was up there, we could have knocked some of this out over the weekend. We took shots. Yeah, yeah, oh, there was an opportunity missed, sir. There was an opportunity missed. Uh, so, a lot of those. Well, a little too many. A lot um, in the jello form. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, guys. So to, to kind of add some legitimacy to why we are tailgate talks, I show up for the weekend. And, you know, we kind of take it easy on the Friday night that I show up. But Saturday hits. And we're like, it's 1 p.m. We just get done eating lunch. All right, so where are we going? We show up to Chimmy's. We get, we start at around, no, we show up to, to Beer House and move over to Chimmy's later. And we start at 2 p.m. And quite literally, uh, by the end of the night, it's me and Brooks and another friend of ours, uh, Sam. And we, we were at Woodrow's. They flipped on the lights. We literally went 12 hours straight. Like, not kidding. Whenever I feel like we've earned the title, tailgate talks. We definitely know how to how to have our good time for a very long time. Um, and then some of y'all got back after it on Sunday. <laughs> oh, we did, dude. I went for another. <laughs> I went for another ten hours on Sunday, dude. I was. Anyways, so um, our first shot bet for this week is going to be Game Seven: Suns versus Clippers Friday night. Uh, so be on the lookout for the tweet, for the message, for the asterisk on this. If game seven doesn't happen, we'll turn our focus just to the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, uh, clearly the game's going on right now. Suns are up by nine, uh, but we'll see what happens if we need to make an adjustment. Or if you're hearing this on the podcast later, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll realize that that series is no longer happening. But our second shot bet is going to be the game six that one is going to be happening it's going to be the bucks at the hawks saturday night game six so be on the lookout for that tweet sometime saturday morning um if the sun thing doesn't work out 
uh, and they do close the series tonight, which is kind of starting to lean that way. We'll see. Uh, then be on the lookout for a possible Game 7 shot bet place, and uh, we will let you guys know about that through social media. So, again, to recap, uh, I am sitting at one shot, Brooks is sitting at one shot, and Dustin is sitting at the at the five fingers of death. He's going to, he, he, whenever he's got to kill those, going to be feeling a little bad for him. But I think that's going to kind of wrap up the episode for us this week. I know it's a little bit shorter than what y'all are used to. Uh, there's just, we're in the middle of summertime, playoffs are wrapping up, and college baseball's done. Again, go state. Proud of those guys for winning, for yeah. beating the the un, uh, undeserved Vanderbilt. Uh, no, they, the Vanderbilt's been a great team. I, I actually don't want to knock them that bad. I just don't like that they how they got in. But um, let's go ahead and kick this over. Dustin, final shot mm-hmm. for the week. Uh, what do you have for us, man? Quick one on Texas Tech baseball. I know we're done playing, but there was rumors earlier this week that LSU's new baseball coach was going to target our head assistant coach and recruiting coordinator, J. Bob Thomas. Literally, like the next day, J. Bob came out and said, I'm not going anywhere. I am loyal to Texas Tech. I'm staying here. I am with this program. So shout out to J. Bob for sticking with us. Man, our baseball coaches and staff are the most loyal people ever. And want us to do so damn good. I freaking love them. Yep, it's great, especially when what's recently happened with loyal people. <laughs> so we can't t- we can't say his name. <coughs> we can't say his name. <laughs> All right, Brooks. Final shot for the week. What do you got for us? I'm gonna stick with college baseball, but we all experienced it last weekend. But the College World Series and the NCAA took some shots by kicking out NC State from the College World Series. They were a win away from making it to the College World Series finals. And then the news broke at about 2 a.m. Saturday morning that they were no longer a part of the tournament and that Vandy was going ahead. And moving on to the College World Series finals, and as I have dubbed it, the Conspiracy World Series so let's kind of run through the events. I read a story on this, so I do want to run through kind of what happened so our facts are out there, and we're not just speculating. This is what happened. So earlier that week, it was about Monday, I think they got their second win. Uh, they got that one nothing win over Vandy to put them, you know, two games to nothing in the College World Series at the time. Afterwards, our coach mentioned that some of their players had a bug. So the, their coach mentioned it in a presser after a game. And that got the NCAA kind of curious. And then they found out that the NC State moved a player who was uh, roommates with one of the dudes who was feeling a bug, feeling kind of sick. And so they go and checked it. They go test that guy. Turns out he has COVID. And then they text the uh, test the roommate. Turns out he has COVID. So now we have two positive COVID tests. It's Friday, day of the game against Vanderbilt, the game that they played with 13 players. They take all the unvaccinated players and test them. Two more players test positive for COVID, and the NCAA deems that none of the vaccinated play or none of the non-vaccinated players can play in the game. And they gave NC State a choice whether to play with the vaccinated players or to forfeit. NCAA, NC State decides to play the game with 13 players. They had to play like a, a position player at first or a pitcher at first base. Um, it was a well-fought game. They lost 3-1, to one. everybody in America pulling for them in that one. 
Then afterwards, after that game was over, they had to immediately go back into testing because it, with four positive tests, you are now labeled an outbreak uh, status. And so now they have to test the whole team, not just the unvaccinated players, but the vaccinated players as well. They started testing at 7.30. The results didn't come back till after 11 p.m. that night. And NC State has stated that they were pretty curious about what went on during that time. I think we've seen a lot of players mention that there was some video recordings. There was a lot of fishy stuff going on in that time. After 11 or so, the tests start trickling in, and it's turned out that four other players, all vaccinated players, have tested positive for COVID, bringing their total to eight, enforcing the NCAA to make the decision to ban them from the tournament, make the game against Vandy and no decision, kicking them out. So it was a long process, a complicated one. I wasn't aware of all those details at the time. I was just mad about the NCAA doing that. I think we're all pretty mad about them doing this especially to a team that, had, you know, was an underdog, captured a lot of people's hearts and was kind of the, you know, team everybody was rooting for and have them get kicked out at that stage felt pretty weird. Um, didn't like it. Didn't appreciate that the NCAA didn't give us any reasoning, really just said, you know, health and safety protocols. But the county said that they could play if they wanted. The NCAA just decided to kick them out. If you have any thoughts on that, I'll – I know we were pissed talking about it all weekend. We were all pretty frustrated for NCAA. I always want to say NCAA State, but NC State. We all became Mississippi State fans because that was the only team left that we wanted to root for afterwards. Uh, it was kind of a sucky weekend for the College World Series. Yeah, thank God that Mississippi State just won the whole thing and not beat the shit out of them just now. But my thing is like, Outside of NC State, there was two things that did not happen. One, they didn't test any Vandy players. Yeah. Which, if you're going to be within close proximity, I know you're not contract chase, contract, contact tracing guy. Yeah. And then on the day after or the night of the Texas game, which was after the uh, forfeited game, whatever you want to call it. And so they tweets out that they had a record 21,000 fans in the stands. Yep. And they didn't have any vaccine rules. They were just letting anybody in who wanted to be at the baseball game. So it looks like a money grab to them. And then they just wanted Vandy in there. Um, But it's a pretty shitty look by the NCAA on those two fronts. Yep. Read the room, NCAA. Read the room. Read the damn room. But I don't know. NCAA continues to make baffling decisions and uh, things that put the athletes that they supposedly care about in poor positions. And it just sucks. It sucks, but oh well. It's over. Mississippi State wins it all. Congrats to the Bulldogs from Mississippi State. We got some justice. it, it It was shitty. It was shitty. It was shitty. Especially like Dustin said, when you cram 20,000 people into a stand, stands that you don't care about what they are, you just, and then you brag about those numbers. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Like, okay, you obviously don't care that much. <laughs> you don't just, care when you're sending the players off from the hotel and they're going by all these fans who are out there, like, you know, yelling at the team and saying, yeah, you don't care about it then. You just care about it when they're on the field where they're probably the safest. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, like, uh, like maybe like, okay, not really, but like, you know, part of me is like, you know, Vanderbilt's a little bit bigger of a baseball school. So like, if we're talking maybe money, them being in the finals is probably more money. I, like, I don't, I, I know it's dumb. No, it sucks. It sucks how it played out. It definitely, like, I bet you there's some NC State people sitting there in their freaking tin hats thinking the same thing. But, um, good final shot. We obviously are very happy with the finals and how that how the College World Series played out. Definitely go State. Definitely appreciate them pulling it off. And almost, uh, for, for quite a while there, having a no-hitter. That was definitely really impressive from them. They definitely deserve the title. Um, and they beat UT. They knocked UT out. So Yeah. Two for, little two for there. Um, makes so, it a little bit sweeter. Just a little bit. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. So so here's my final shot. I'm stealing Dustin's Dustin's thing. Hell yeah. We're putting it. the video on there. Throw it out there again. All college uh, world series. Let's see. Hey, let's see. Where is it? You put it on the main thing, didn't you? Yeah. Uh come on, load. Oh, uh, boo. Mine was doing that earlier too. That's weird. I just had it up too. That'd be funny if, like, uh, we've been banned from writing <laughs> horns down on Twitter. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Okay. The other one, uh, maybe this will come up in a second. My other one is obviously still hockey-related. Uh, the, 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 the Canadians lose 5-1 to one in, the, in the opener. Uh, definitely a huge bummer. But the part that I wanted to point out was there was this super nasty, like, takedown. There was no punishment for it. Look at this thing. Hold on. And that's by Vasilevsky, and now it's Gallagher. Trying to cause gets body slammed to the ice. <laughs> in the slot. And, and the guy gets no penalty, no call, no fine, no nothing. Well, that wasn't that bad. Hold on. Hold on. That takedown wasn't that bad. Look at his face. He tackled him to the ice with no helmet on. You see his face right now? Nah. But that's going to be my final take. Uh, right now, uh, my Canadians are, are down 1-0 in the series, and they're losing in the uh, game two, 2-1. Two to one. They're still... Oh, now three to one. Damn. They had a they had a good run. It was a good run already. Well, the this these are home games for Tampa Bay. I still think them going back to Canada, they're gonna they're gonna get some wins out of there. I know the the Montreal and the Canadian faithful are very 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 well rooted, and uh, they're gonna be out there to support. I think this uh, uh, Canadians take the next two games after this one. So we'll, we'll see. see. Hopefully it happens. Uh, but that is gonna wrap up the show for us, as always. Um, if you're not already, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, and five stars if it is on iTunes. And if it is on Spotify, just make sure you hit that follow button. That way you're notified every time we get a new episode out to you. As far as our social media accounts go, Twitter, you can find us at tailgate underscore talks. Instagram and Facebook, you can find us there as well, as well as on YouTube. So uh, if it is on YouTube, we put out two to three videos a week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the bell notification to be notified every time we put out a new video. As far as our personal accounts, Dustin, find him at DustinWimmer22. Brooks, you can find him at Calvin B. Barrett. And me, you can find me at Blanco, where the L is a one. Lastly, if you have any sort of thoughts, suggestions, or any kind of offers or anything like that, you would need to reach out to us. Uh, our, our email for the show is tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. I guess that, uh, that wraps up the show, guys. I don't think we have much else for you. Uh, a little bit shorter this week. Again, 
summertime uh, a little bit uh lacking as far as uh what kind of good news we can bring you good takes but hopefully you enjoyed our nba and our texas tech and be on the lookout for that texas tech uh tweet or post or whatever where we're trying to kind of get you guys to send us your your favorite uh texas tech moment just send us whatever your number one is as we're going through our top five but uh that wraps it up guys any any last uh any last words Catch y'all at the next tailgate. <laughs> little little horns down and a sheesh from from Dustin. All right, later, guys. <laughs>